today on CityCast Philly. It's the Friday News Roundup. We're talking about how Philly's downtown is doing post-pandemic, another labor battle brewing at Temple University, and why the ACCT of Philly wants your help clearing out their animal shelters. It's Friday, October 13th. I'm Laura Benshoff, filling in for Trine Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Today, we've got Sydney Rochnick, assistant news editor at Temple News. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thank you guys for inviting me. And Kristen Mosbrooker Garza, business reporter at WHYY. Welcome to CityCast Philly. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And finally, Sarah Barnett, the executive director of ACCT Philly. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, so before we get started, we'd like to have a little bit of an icebreaker on our Friday show. And getting ready for this, we were thinking, you know, It's getting to be fall. People are starting to think about booking holiday travel. And earlier this week, we had a team chat on our show that was all about our tips and tricks for making the most out of PHL, the local Philadelphia International Airport. So I wanted to ask as an icebreaker, just putting it out there, if any of y'all have a favorite airport or travel hack that you do when you're getting ready for, you know, traveling for Thanksgiving or Christmas or any of those big holidays coming up. I, of course, have one that's pet related, but <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Very appropriate. Um, when when traveling with with a pet, you know, the biggest thing that, that I always try to do is make sure that I've got all of their things that they're used to that, that smell mm. like home and everything. So that if I'm taking them to someplace new, then they're you know able to get comfortable quickly. And then that I'm also taking them for a lot of exercise before that long road trip or before that plane ride. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Don't want an agitated dog with you next to you or under the seat on the plane. No, no. What about you, Sydney or Kristen? I I don't think I'm very travel savvy, but I do have uh, a list of about like 200 pre-downloaded videos that I cycle through for however long. Okay, what kind of videos? Oh, video essays, like about movies. I have the whole downloaded podcast. Uh, It's like a horror podcast that I just literally listen to occasionally. Yeah, whatever just keeps my mind off it. So mm-hmm. that gets you through your long car trip or your long plane ride or whatever it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. What about you, Kristen? I don't know if I'm the best person to answer this question because I, I guess the short of it is that I am working on Christmas. So I guess my hack, no, my hack, you got the short straw. Yeah, I mean, I guess my hack is, is that I don't travel during major holidays. I actually have deals Mm -hmm. with my family and I've been doing this for years that those times are obviously special for lots of reasons and lots of people have traditions. But, you know, we sort of like to celebrate in off peak times of year. Uh, It's more affordable Mm -hmm. because I come from a really big family. And so trying to get 16 people or so to come all to the same place, all the same time, it's just, it's not financially feasible. So what we tend to do is we actually try to get together during off peak season. No, that's really, really smart. That makes a ton of sense. Also, I imagine some of the pressure is taken off when you're not trying to cram everything into one, one big day, catch up with everyone on the one day that everyone's doing the same thing. So that makes a lot of sense. All right. So we're going to get into the news now. First story we have up, this is for you, Kristen. So Philadelphia's Center City District, this is a business improvement district downtown, just put out a big report looking at how a couple dozen major city downtowns are doing economically in this 
post-pandemic world that we're in. And Kristen, how did Philly rank? So out of the 26 or so on the list, uh, Philly was number five uh, out of the nation. So this data is essentially uh, looking at a snapshot in time of about spring summer timeframe in 2019 versus spring summer timeframe in uh, 2023, right? Okay. So um, the reason that Philadelphia is number five out of 26 in the nation in terms of foot traffic recovery in Center City compared to other downtowns is because, you know, we get a lot of visitors, we get a lot of tourism. We have workers who commute downtown, and then we also have people who live downtown. Now, the cities that are above Philadelphia on this list are Nashville, which has a lot more tourists than comparably by size than a Philadelphia. Similarly, San Jose, you know, it also Mm. attracts a lot of people. It's a bit of a mecca in that Silicon Valley area. And then San Diego, of course, right, Mm. with their beautiful uh, temperate weather year round. Uh, And then, of course, Memphis for, you know, their music notoriety. And then we're number five, Philadelphia. So uh, I would say visitor traffic skewed the data a little bit in terms of overall residents, workers and visitors uh, nationwide. Got it. So it really is that tourism bump that helped some cities more than others is what you're saying. Yes, it's it's the hospitality uh, sector jobs as well, uh, though I'll okay. say, you know, those hospitality sector jobs are not the most high paying jobs. Right. So no. it's just one economic metric to think about. Yeah. Why is this so critical? What do all these numbers mean for how Philly is actually doing right now? Right. So one reason that folks like foot traffic data is because in the business world, everybody cares about commercial real estate. So when you think of what Mm -hmm. commercial real estate is, it's office skyscrapers, it's big university campuses and buildings, right? And all of that infrastructure supports the rest of the business community. So I think a lot of people misunderstand Mm -hmm. why people care about foot traffic data. It is not just because Mm -hmm. uh, the local coffee shop owner wants 100 people walking past their coffee shop every day. It's because the decisions that are made to either build a new skyscraper or to lease a retail space or even for an office to lease several hundred thousand square feet in one of those big office towers, you know, that means jobs, uh, not just for the workers in those office towers, but also all of the support workers, right? We just had this Mm -hmm. these protests with all these unionized workers, the the maintenance and janitors who keep these buildings running, right? All of the blue collar workers who help build the buildings, the plumbers, the contractors, uh, the electricians, the union jobs that everyone is so proud about, about Philadelphia, all of that kind of stems back to decisions made in commercial real estate. And Hmm. people in commercial real estate make decisions based on foot traffic, right? That's super interesting. So you're saying basically looking at all of these downtowns that were compared in this report, Philly's doing pretty good compared to a lot of them, but we're still not back where we were, you know, pre-pandemic. So 
why are we doing better than a lot of places and what's still holding us back? Right. So, I mean, that's a really multifaceted question. (laughs) I would say just from, you know, the really top line of it, you know, our commuter foot traffic. So people who don't live in Center City, but who work in Center City, that is only back, I think, like 65, 70% compared to that overall 84%. So what does that tell us? That tells us that people who have the choice to work hybrid or fully remote are making that choice. Yeah. And hybrid work is here to stay. This is the new reality. So... Things are going to not look like they did before is what it sounds like. We're going to have to make our way in this new post-pandemic economy, whatever that means. Um, Thank you for your reporting, Kristen. Super interesting. I'm going to move on to the next big news story we're focusing on this week. You know, there's been a lot of news out of Temple University. We've had folks on the show several times talking about public safety issues, the recent death of president and big Temple champion Joanne Epps. And now there's a possibility of even more turmoil at the school. I want to throw it to you, Sydney. So what's going on with the Temple Association of University Professionals? Right. So that is our union representing faculty, librarians, and academic professionals. Mm -hmm. Um, Their contract with the university, which currently it continues for about four years, so four years ago, they started this contract. That now expires October 15th. Oh, so like this weekend, basically. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Um, Negotiations began August 18th of this year, and... Since then, they have, you know, proposed the things they want, been in negotiations about that. And they held a rally to what they said was to ensure to the board of trustees that they would give them this new fair contract. And what are they asking for exactly? So they have summarized this new contract under the categories equity, dignity, and job security. If you've looked into this, you'll see that's repeated many times, especially mm-hmm. in the speeches that we saw on the rally. Under equity, that's things like transparent access to the TU budget, expanded access to paid parental leave and sick leave, and salary transparency in regards to inequities based off of race and gender, that sort of thing. Under dignity, it's um, improved processes for handling cases of discrimination and harassment, and also expanding protected groups under these situations to include things like caste and ethnicity. And they also want improved workload uh, language, I believe. Um, And under job security, that of course includes things like improved wages. They also want multi-semester contracts for long-serving non-tenure track faculty. And they also want to ensure that nobody can be fired based off of student feedback forms, which is Hmm. the primary way that students report how their (laughs) professors And what does the university say about these demands? What are they? What's their response been to this rally and this action? So to the rally, I'm not sure. They so the rally was held the same day that the board of trustees was meeting. They, to my understanding, didn't really discuss this. Okay. But in regards to their contract, the board has given them Out of like 30 proposals, the board has given them eight and I think countered two, but 
that's where they're at right okay. now. <laughs> so they're they're still negotiating, but for a contract that's ending soon, it sounds like they're, you know, still have some space left between both sides. You know, Temple had this big strike earlier this year when the grad students struck over their contract. Could we see that this time or or what could happen next when when the contract is expired in the next couple of days? Yeah, so that's uh, definitely been something that people have been talking about and worried about. The president of TAUP, Jeffrey Doshna, has said that while they're prepared to strike, that would be a very serious action. And they very you know, seriously consider that. If we do see that, we will probably not see it immediately after the contract expires. Okay. But that, yeah, definitely a possibility that people have been mentioning. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye out for what happens next. Thank you for covering this, Sydney. Um, and before we, we head out, we have to hear from one more person, Sarah at the ACCT or ACT Philly, which is a local animal shelter. You know, you guys are in the news this week because you have too many dogs. How did you end up with with so many pups that need a home? Yeah, it's um, it's really been challenging and it's been happening all summer, honestly, where we just our intake has skyrocketed. You know, we would get an average of 100 dogs a week before. Now it's 150. Oh, do you know why? There's a lot of factors. I mean, there's not like one set reason. Okay. Part of it is we're seeing a lot of them coming in for like moving, housing, homelessness, eviction related reasons. So that's definitely an issue okay. as is the cost of care. So that's really been a huge reason. And then, you know, I do think, you know, the, the economy and the inflation in general is making it really hard for people to keep their pets right now, especially in mm. Philadelphia, where not all not everybody has access to the same resources that, that everybody else has. So we see a lot of animals being brought in and surrendered from the, the low wealth uh, zip codes, okay. you know, where vet care is not very accessible. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of factors. But part of that is also exacerbated by the fact that there's a shortage of adopters and fosters. So the dogs okay. are in and then there's not enough places for them to go. There's not enough adopters or fosters, which then also slows down the rescues who pull from us as well. So it's really on every on every level that that we're seeing these challenges come up. So what can people do to help? Um, the biggest help, you know, is adopting, donating, fostering, and volunteering. Those are the four things that people can do. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're participating with Bissell Pet Foundation in their Empty the Shelters campaign with Kathy Bissell. And so okay. all of our dogs and cats are $10 to adopt uh, now through Sunday. And they're already spayed or neutered, vaccinated, microchipped. So if you are looking to adopt, now's a great time to do it. But for those who can adopt, you know, fostering and volunteering makes a huge difference. Donating so that we can really spend some funds to get to the root causes that are creating the problem, not just dealing with the crisis every day. Um, We are the only open intake animal shelter in Philadelphia. So the other ways that people can help are really by being responsible pet owners, you know, having identification Mm -hmm. on your pet. If you find a lost pet, I know the impulse is to immediately bring them to the shelter, but a lot of times they're only a half a mile away from their home. So just knocking on a couple doors and just asking if people recognize them anything like that. And then the other thing I would say is if you know somebody thinking of giving up their pet or somebody struggling, a lot of people wait to the last minute to ask for help. And we can't do a whole lot then. But we do have owner surrender prevention services that that donors make possible and grant services make possible. So we can help you if you reach out to us in advance and and we can help support you through vet care or training or boarding. But we, we definitely need you to reach out as soon as it starts to become an issue so that it's not the 11th hour that we're trying to find a solution for you. That makes sense. And say someone hears this call out and says, I think I'm ready to adopt a pet. Do you have any tips for someone to pick out, you know, find the right animal to bring home with them? 
for, you know, the rest of their, what do they call it? Forever, forever, forever Yeah, forever home. You know, the, the biggest thing I would say is know that it's a commitment and know that it's mm-hmm. wonderful having a pet. The first, you know, weeks are going to be a little bit tricky because it's a new, it's a new pet. And for the pet, it's a new parent. <laughs> So really think about what is most valuable to you, you know, before you go and get emotionally attached to an animal at the shelter. Think about what it is you're looking for. Are you looking for a dog to go running with who, even when it rains, has to go running? Or are you looking for a couch potato, you know, okay. and and think about that ahead of time. And then look at the animals at the shelter and in foster care and and understand that that their presence in the shelter is not representative necessarily of what they're going to be like at home. You know, a lot of animals, some of the mm-hmm. animals that do the worst at the shelter are actually ones that have the best history in homes. And that's why they do bad at the shelter because they're not at all used to it. And they're used to being in, you know, a nice cozy home. So think ahead and do your research and, and make sure you have the support system ready for when you get a pet and then give them the time, the space that they need to really adjust when, when you adopt them. That's, that's probably the single biggest thing is when you're adopting is actually the post-adoption part. Makes a lot of sense. Well, good luck clearing the shelter, Sarah. Thank you so much. I hope it goes well. Thanks. And thank you to Sydney Roshnick, Temple News. Thanks for coming on the show. No, thank you guys. Yeah. And thank you, Kristen Mosbrucker Garza with WHYY. Thank you for sharing your reporting as well. Thank you so much. Have a great day. We'll have a link to the stories and resources mentioned in this episode in our show notes. It's time for the tip of the week, where we share a life hack for living in Philly. Virtua Health over the bridge in South Jersey is offering free mammograms in October and November. You don't need a prescription or health insurance. Their mobile screening van is making stops in places like Atco and Burlington, so you can find a location that's convenient for you. We'll have a link in our show notes with more information about the free breast cancer screening and how to make an appointment. If you have a tip of the week, we'd love to hear from you. Call or text us at 215-259-8170. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our host is Trinae Naree. Our producers are Abby Fritz and Elizabeth Kama. Our Hey Philly newsletter editor is Natalia Aldana. Our lead producer is me, Laura Benchoff. Music is by Philly Zone Interminable, with additional music from All the Kimonos and James Weldon. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Philly. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend and go Phils. Bye.